0: Hey, we're beginning a brand new series that we're calling wise guys. Somebody say wise guy. Look at the person next to you and say wise guy. You know, we're going to be journeying through the—I know you've just been waiting to say that, especially if you're somebody who, like, you really think they are a wise guy, and you kind of, you know, you're like, I'm not sure if I really like you or not. That was your chance to so just kind of let it out, and then we'll pray for you at the altar. Um, so in the book of James, uh, we're going to be taking a look at this book to gain some wisdom from James. Um, some say that James is, is like the Proverbs of the New Testament. Uh, there's no doubt that James was heavily influenced by some of the Jewish writings, like some of the wisdom psalms and, and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the, the wisdom that's found in the book of Job. And so uh, also he was uh, the brother of Jesus. So I think he gleaned a, a lot of wisdom from these places. And so we're going to just hear over the next couple of weeks what he has to say. Our theme verse is going to to come from James 1 5 and here's what it says James says this to this church he says if you need wisdom ask our generous God how many of you guys know we serve a generous God and it says when you ask him here's what you can expect he will give it to you and he's not going to rebuke you for asking let's pray Lord we love you and we thank you for who you are we thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word we just ask it you would have your way in us and that you would do a work in our hearts. And we just trust you and we were desperate for you. We need you. And the good news declares we have you in Jesus name. Somebody say amen. amen. So how many know context is really important when it comes to approaching scripture? So today I'm going to give you some context about James and the book, and then we're going to just grab some nuggets uh, from James this morning. Uh, first of all, one of the things that we notice, if you've ever read the book of James, James has a really straightforward approach. How many of you guys are just, you know, I just like to just shoot straight. And James was one of those kind of guys. He just, he shot straight. He said things like it was. And, and we notice in this book that he was writing to an audience, a group of people, that they were facing trials of all different types, Uh, and and James comes along to give them some encouragement and some wisdom and all the trials that they were facing. Today, we're going to take a look and see what James has to say about the connection between wisdom and joy. And, uh, As we step into this uh, book, this chapter, chapter 1, I'm not going to reread it because we just took some time during our scripture reading to read it. I want us to just notice some things uh, about James the man as we approach this scripture. Here's some things we can notice about James the man. First of all, he was the brother of Jesus. And we see this in Galatians chapter 1. James, the brother of Jesus, is not to be confused with James the disciple. There was actually Two disciples named James. One was James the Less, and one was James the Great. James the Great was the the brother of John called the Sons of Thunder, and these guys were rowdy guys. But this James who wrote this book is not that, that James at all. I want you to imagine for a moment growing up with a friend or a sibling. You guys, you know, you. You played together. You swam together. You dunked each other in the pool together. And, uh, you fought together. You got in trouble in the neighborhood together. Um, and, and suddenly you, you grow up and you're a teen and you're an adult and you enter into your young adult years and, and you watch each other begin to explore life as a young adult. And then suddenly your friend or your sibling just, drops a bomb on you and says, hey, just so you know, I'm the chosen one of God. <laughs> that was the reality for James. That's what James' life was like with his brother Jesus. And so this was James' reality. He was living in it. And uh, it, it's interesting to know, the scripture tells us that James actually didn't believe Jesus. If we go over to John 7 and 5, here, here's what it says, not only about, about James, his brother, but his other brothers. It says this, that even Jesus' own brothers did not believe him. Uh, It's said that uh, James actually didn't believe that Jesus was the chosen one, the son of God, until Jesus came back in his resurrected body and proved himself to his brother. Not only was James Jesus' brother, also we notice that later on in James' adult life, he became a really prominent leader in the early church. We see in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council that that James is is listed as a powerful leader, one of the main voices to the Jerusalem Council, and one of the greatest apostles, Paul, that ever lived. In fact, here's what he said about James. Uh, He said this about James in, in Galatians 2. He said that James was one of the very pillars of the church. So James, the unbeliever, became one of the pillars of the church. Let's talk about... The audience that he wrote to. James's intended audience, the Bible describes in, in, in verse number one, it says that they were the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So the church that he wrote to was once a church in Jerusalem, and now they've been scattered everywhere. And, and uh, why have they been scattered? Well, historians suggest a lot of reasons, but one of them that they suggest is that because there was lots of persecution during this time in Jerusalem, so their church had to flee the persecution and when they fled and left the areas of the, their comfort zone, they went out to Gentile areas, to cities where there was a ton of non-believers. And, and, and here's one of the things else we notice about this audience is that they were primarily a Jewish audience. And so here's, here's James writing to this, this audience that's scattered about the area. They've lost contact and connection with their dearest friends and the people that they did life with, and now they're scattered a bunch around a bunch of non-believers. Here's another thing that we can notice about this audience is it was a struggling audience. Have you ever read the book of James? This was a really struggling audience. They were facing trials of all different types. And and clearly also about this audience, we know that that it's really clear that some of them had actually strayed from the faith. And so here comes James with his straight up approach to help this struggling church that's been scattered all around. And and we see the heart of James in this letter, although he's straight up. Here's what he wants to do. He wants to offer them wisdom to help them in their struggle because of his love for them. And not only that, in their struggle, he wants to make sure that, that they represent God well. While well, the rest of the world is struggling, here's the struggling church still on fire for Jesus, still representing God well. well what is the connection between wisdom and joy? Well, here's what James says. He starts off strong, right out the gate to this struggling church. And and you got to remember that that the church is not like it is today. So today, here's how we pick a church. What's the preacher like? Does he dress cool? Do I like their worship? Uh, What's the church building like? What's their theology like? Um, Do they have all the programs that I like? Do they do all the things that I'm into um, and then we, then we drive, and we check out all these different churches, because we have the luxury of vehicles. And, and we, I like that one. I don't like that one. I kind of like the one. I really like that one. And then we go drive to that church. And this time, they didn't have that option. They had their local community, their local church. Everyone went to that church. Acts describes this kind of a church as a church where they shared everything in common. They bared one another's burdens and they were in it. They were in it. They met daily, scripture says, and they gathered around the scripture and this church who was once a close-knit family was scattered all over the place and they were facing trials of many, many kinds And, and here comes James giving a word to this displaced church and he says in James 1, 2, he says, Friends, here's the wisdom I have to give you because I've gotten reports on how difficult things are for you. I've gotten reports on how you guys are dealing with the trials. Here's what I want you to know. When it comes to troubles of any kind, when they come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. James is like, hey guys, I know life stinks right now. I know things are really, really hard, but consider all this hard stuff, consider your stinky life a joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I can imagine that audience reading that later and going, James, really? You want me to consider this a joy? How about send some people to help me find my lost family that's displaced everywhere? How about Setting some resources so that, so that we can eat. How about helping us find some connections so that we can get a job and make some money? And does James address any of those physical, natural things? No. Here's what James addresses. James addresses their witness for Christ. James addresses their behavior. How many of you love it when somebody addresses your behavior? <clears throat> Y'all better say, Ow. Yeah, I think it's in our nature to not like it when somebody comes to address our witness to Christ and to address our behavior. But that's what James does. He comes in the middle of this struggle and he addresses their witness and he says, hey, I want you to change the way you see your struggle. I want you to change your lens from from looking at your struggle with bitterness and jealousy and blame and he says, I want you to consider it a great joy. I want you to see it with, with hope in your eyes and expectation and knowledge that Christ is enough for you in your struggle. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm in a struggle, I, I don't open up the book of James for encouragement. <laughs> but but here's, what, here's what I know. In this moment, James is bringing this church what they need. See, sometimes you want a comforter, but you really need a coach. Yeah. And sometimes you want somebody to nurture you, but you really need someone to come along and coach you. And that was the situation that this church was in. And in fact, he tells his church, he says, guys, I want you to understand something. That the greatest joys in your life are going to come from suffering and struggle. Think about it. Clay and I were talking earlier before service. There's not a good thing in life that doesn't come without struggle. I mean, think about it. I mean, pregnancy. Now, just to clarify, I've never had a baby before. Just want to make sure you all know that. But I've watched, I've heard, I've listened, and it's tough. And some moms are, it's difficult from the moment they're pregnant all the way through the birth. It is a struggle But there's no greater joy that in that moment, when that baby is born, you look back at that nine-month struggle and you say, it was all worth it because this is the greatest joy I've ever experienced in my life. We're going to take a look at James and just glean a couple things this morning from uh, James and what he has to say to us about the connection between wisdom and joy. And and here's one of the first things that James gives us. Here's some wisdom that he offers to this church who's struggling. Here's what James says. He says says this, enduring is an opportunity for joy. Now, Now, remember, I told you, James is a coach. He's not coming to nurture you. He's coming to give you wisdom in the fight, wisdom in the struggle. Enduring is an opportunity for joy. James says, change the way you look at endurance because it's required for every struggle you're going to go through. You're going to have to see endurance differently. James says, the more you learn how to endure, in fact, the more joy you will have in this life. It's, It's really interesting. But... Here's here's what this can look like today. See, there's so many people who don't know how to endure well. In fact, they spend much of their life trying to avoid the need to endure. They work hard. They they practice hard. They do all the safe things so that they don't have to put themselves out there and expose themselves into a, a place where they actually have to step out and be in faith. They step on sure ground because they are afraid of what it's going to take to endure when they step on that holy ground of faith. Here's what it looks like for somebody who uh, doesn't know how to endure. They're probably a Sunday morning church attender. They, They come through the doors of church. They pick up their faith. They do all the things that everybody does and then they put their faith down and they leave and they go out into their life. That's somebody who does not know how to endure a prayer life. That's somebody who does not know how to endure life in the scripture. That's somebody who doesn't know how to endure life among groups, praying for one another, sacrificing for one another, caring for one another's burdens, stepping out on the edge when when they barely have enough of their own to help and serve somebody else. That's somebody who's living a life of avoidance. And I have a hunch that there are some people in this church that James was writing to that was struggling with that very thing. And James comes to them and says, Hey, you better endure. You be- the only way you're going to make it is if you endure. See, endurance is hard work. When we're enduring, it's not playtime. When we're enduring, it's work time it's pray time. It is focus time. And when we're enduring, we don't have any time to give anything else than the task at hand. We don't have any time to give energy to doubters. That's why it's so important for you to make sure that your inner circle is full of people of faith, full of people who know how to speak into your life, full of people who know when it's time to nurture you and know when it's time to coach you. And if you don't have people in your life that know how to nurture you and coach you, find some new people and bring them in your inner circle. And here's the other thing that you need to make sure that when you're enduring, there's no time for thoughts of doubt. See, so you've got to pay attention to how you think when you're in a season of enduring. And here's, what, here's a little freebie for you today. Just because you think a thought does not mean that it's true. Because no doubt, when you're enduring, you're gonna have all kinds of thoughts are gonna come in your mind. And you're gonna to have to decide whether to believe that thought or not. And just because a thought comes into your mind doesn't need you need to believe it. It's an opportunity for you to have faith. And just because a thought comes into your mind doesn't mean that it's God. Every endurance athlete knows about the requirements of enduring pain. I see an endurance athlete over there. He knows that to endure for a long time, it requires some, the ability to suffer long. But here's the truth about endurance. See, the longer you can endure, the further and faster you can go. In your notes, enduring will always allow you to go where others cannot. Because, not because they're unable, but because they're unwilling to endure the work. Thanks, coach. Enduring will allow you to go where others cannot, not because they're unable, but because they're unwilling to do the work. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today? What's the question for you today? Are you willing to do the work? Because you can go a lot further and a lot faster than you ever believed or ever imagined if you were willing to put the work in. Are you struggling today? Are you in some kind of fight? I don't know what your your struggle is. Is it is it in your faith? Is Is it in your belief system? Is it is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your finances? Where are you struggling? Where is the fight? And here's what Paul, or here's what James says to you. He comes into your space, into your living room, and he tells you this: hang in there. Keep fighting. I can't come in and save you. I'm not here to nurture you. I'm here to tell you to get up, buttercup. I'm here to tell you to, to step up, to step up, step in and fight and work and do what it takes to endure yeah. and to fix your eyes beyond where you are right now. Look towards the end goal. Look towards the finish line. Because when you do, it will stir up some joy in your heart and you'll be able to endure longer. Now, um... Spending so much time with Coach James this week, here's my advice to you if you're struggling. Church, your strength only comes from one place. It doesn't come from you living your your, your, your little private relationship life with Jesus. Because you don't get a private relationship with Jesus. You know where you get that idea from. The American, my way, my individual idea. That's where you get that idea from. We are called into the body of Christ to be amongst a body of believers in the body of Christ. We're not called to be out here on the edge on our own, living our own little relationship with Jesus. We are called to do it together. And so here's what I say out of my coaching heart. Are you connected to the body? If you're in a fight and you're enduring, you cannot do it alone. You must remain in the word. You must be engaged in prayer. You must be engaged in life amongst the body, whether it's in a group, whether it's in a serving team, whether it's in in the discipleship area, whether it's uh, learning and growing on Wednesday nights and cultivation. You must be involved in regular, somebody say regular, regular. Regular church attendance. God did not create you to endure the struggle as a part time believer, as a part time person connected part time to the body. You must be connected all the time. Because let me tell you something. When something hard comes and you begin to endure, if you're connected in that way, you won't go, oh, I better get to church. I better pray more. I better read my Bible more. I better get more connected and do more of the things because whoa, that's, that's a sign of somebody who has not been enduring. But when you're engaged and you're enduring, you will go, Oh, I got my people around me. I can endure. I know Chris is going to come and and challenge me to grow. I know Kevin's going to say, get up. It's time to grow. I'm praying for you, but you got to go. That's the type of endurance that that is being required from us in the fight and in the struggle. That's what James is talking about today. What is the connection between wisdom and joy? What's the connection between wisdom and joy? Uh, One of the things that... uh, We've we've learned between the connection of wisdom and joy. Uh, number two, actually, I haven't given you guys number two, have I? I got a little head in my note in my notes here. Number two is this: that enduring is an opportunity for joy. Enduring is an opportunity for joy. And then and then number two today, boy, I just started flipping through here, and I got oh I got all messed up, guys. Please forgive me. Growth is an opportunity for joy. Growth is an opportunity for joy. That's that's number two. See, there's a difference between enduring and then actually growing in endurance. Did you hear me? You're going to endure by default, but you will only grow in endurance on purpose. And that's what Paul requires of us. That's what Paul is asking us in this fight. He's saying, hey, I want you to not only endure, but I want you to grow in endurance. Why? Because growth is an opportunity for joy. Have you ever looked at the task ahead of you and assessed the task and realized that I don't have what it takes to endure this? But if, if I'm going to go through this, I'm going to have to put myself through a strict training regimen. And it's only the wise who look at a strict training regiment like that, it's only the wise who do that and say, okay, I'm up for the task. I'm gonna begin to train, I'm gonna begin to work. We have some endurance athletes in our church. There's a group of us who like to cycle and I don't know why we do it in the, in the middle of August and the, the peak summer heat, we go out and ride 100 miles together. But what it requires to be able to endure for that is strict training. We have to intentionally and on purpose go and grind. When you get off at work, get out in the sun and go put out 30 miles, go put out 40 miles. And on purpose on Saturday in the middle of the afternoon when everyone else is hiding in the air condition, you get your tail out in the sun in the peak heat of the day and you see you gotta acclimate yourself to the heat. And you got to push your body beyond where it knows how to go. And you got to train it to act right. you got to train your mind to think right when your brain wants to give up. And that's what Paul is saying to this audience. Purposely grow. On purpose. Make it intentional. Here's what, here's what I love. Uh, Proverbs 19 and 20. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline. In the end, you will be counted among the wise. See, I think I think... James was really familiar with the Proverbs and these ancient writings, and James is giving the same type of advice to these people. He's saying, hey, make sure to have yourself surrounded by people that know how to challenge you and give you advice. And when they challenge you and give you advice and teach you how to endure, apply it. Accept the discipline. Sometimes we think of discipline as like, I'm in trouble. I'm getting disciplined. No, when it comes to coaching and athletic training, you get, you get a list of disciplines, a set of disciplines, and these disciplines say, run this much, eat this much, rest this much, work this much, do this much weights, and and do it over and over and over again. This is your set of disciplines. And James is saying, find people to give you advice, to speak into your weaknesses, to speak into what you cannot do on your own and give you a set of disciplines. And when they do it and they give that to you, it's up to you to step up to the plate, dig in and do the training. Because guess what? Nobody could do that but you. Nobody. Nobody could help the athlete eat right. He's got it. He has a plan. He must eat right. Nobody's going to make the athlete get up early in the morning and train when he doesn't want to. He's got to do it. No one's going to make that athlete take pull that little pin out and drop it down so that he has to push more weight. The only person that's going to do that is the athlete. And so it's up to you. What do we do with that? What are you going to do with that? That's the challenge that James brings to you and I in your notes. To grow is to be self-aware. We must be able to notice our weakness and human limitations and only the wise do that. The fool doesn't do that. The fool ignores his weakness. The fool ignores his limitations. The fool refuses coaching. The fool only runs towards nurturing and coddling. But a fool is never going to endure strong. And that's what James is trying to get this church to do. And I believe that's what the church needs to do today. We're a lot like that scattered church in the book of James. Just look around. Look around. Think about the culture that you live in. This is who you are. And this is what's required for you to succeed as a believer and to remain a witness and pursue the mission that God has given you. The third thing we learn from James is this, that faith is an opportunity for joy. Not only is enduring an opportunity for joy, not only is purposely growing an opportunity for joy, but, growth is an opera, but faith is an opportunity for joy. I love what James says. He says, troubles are a way of testing your faith. It's important for us to understand that that these troubles, James says, they're not from God. Don't blame God and it's hard and and why is God making me go through this? And why is God letting these these things happen? and why, Why is God... No, James says that the trials and the struggles in your life come from your own sinfulness on the inside. And he's saying... I can use evil for good. That's what he's saying. He's not causing it. He's saying, I can use it for good. And and here's what I know how to do in those type of situations. I know how to grow your faith in the fire. And when your faith is grown in the fire, there will be great joy. How do you know that your faith is being tested? Well, you know your faith is being tested when things don't make sense. When you start feeling or thinking, I can't, I don't know if I can, this is... As much as I can bear, when your mind is flooded with questions of, of doubt and uncertainty, that's how you know you're beginning to step out in the grounds of faith. There's great joy on the other side of stepping out in faith. See, here, here's a couple things about faith. Faith treats uncertainty like holy ground. Do you hear me? Faith treats uncertainty like holy ground. See, I got to admit it. I've done it. I sometimes run from uncertainty. I want certainty. I want safety. I want to be able to know that when X, Y, and Z happens, I'm going to be able to respond with X, Y, and Z. And I want to be able to know that when I respond with X, Y, and Z, it's going to be a success. And it's gonna be good. And the crowds are gonna cheer. And everyone's gonna say, good job! I don't want to look like I'm struggling. I don't want to look like I need other people to pray for me while I'm struggling. I don't want to look like I'm, 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 I'm malnourished and, I, and I've, got to, I've got to suck on the word of God and drink it and eat it and, and be nourished because I'm so malnourished because I'm working so hard. No, I want to look and appear strong and like I've got it all together. But that's not testing of our faith. That's not what testing of our faith looks like. See, we're called to a life of faith, not a life of certainty. And that's what this audience was struggling with. They, they, there was so much uncertainty around them and they were falling apart. Some of them were falling away from the faith. And James gets back in and says, get your head in the game. This is what it's all about. This is what the life of faith is all about. According to James, when you've put the work in and you've endured well and you've stood, stood firm during uncertain times and your faith has grown, here's what James says. He says, "You will grow and mature, and you won't lack anything." It's a perspective. Do you trust that God is good enough to take care of you in the most difficult situations? Chris and I um, uh, went through Chris went through a miscarriage several years back. Um, She was close to six months. Uh, We had just found out we were having a son. We were trying to come up with a name. We were thinking we were landing on the name Joshua. And suddenly, we got news that there was no heartbeat. Our faith was tested. We were broken on the inside. Our hearts felt crushed. Our faith was tested. There were doubts there were why questions. There was all of these things. We, at that point, were on fertile ground for trusting God. When we were in that space, I remember sitting in pastor's office. He, he brought us in there. He had, he had a word from the Lord for us. He didn't say, like, come in here. I'm going to give you a word from God. But he said, hey, guys, come to my office. We came in, just sat to hear me here him across the desk and we were just broken and he just looked at us and he said you're not okay right now and I'm like yeah newsflash we're not okay and he said and it doesn't have to be okay this is hard and he looked at us and he said but you're gonna be okay you're gonna be okay I don't know what type of things you're going through today but I want to um lend you some faith today, just like Pastor lent Chris and I some faith. It might not be okay right now. Things might be very uncertain for you right now. But if we have our eyes on the prize and our hope is in Christ, you're gonna be okay. Amen. And you'll be okay. He's got you. He, he, he's big enough and he's strong enough. You're gonna be Okay. In your notes, trials are sacred space for faith. Don't fill this space with faithless thoughts. Just because you have faithless thoughts does not mean that they're true, does not mean they don't line up with God's word, but treat that space like sacred space and fill that space with faith. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? James is bringing us some wisdom. He's showing us that there's a connection between wisdom and joy. James says, when when you are going through a trial, here's the secret. Here's the wisdom that you need for going through hard things. He's saying, look down the road at what life is going to be like when that struggle is over. Look into eternity. Look at the great hope you have in Christ." And feast on the joy that's going to come. And that joy will fuel you and strengthen you so that you can endure hard things. And not only so that you can endure hard things, but so that you can grow at enduring in hard things. There was a day when you could not pick up the bar on the bench because you were too weak. But you began to lift that bar over and over again. And that 45, 40 pounds that felt like 100 pounds now feels like 20. And you endure, And you purposely put more weight on that bar so that you can learn to endure more. And then you put more weight on that bar so that you can learn to endure more. And suddenly you are doing things that you never believed that you can do. You are enduring weights, you are enduring stress on your body, you are enduring difficulties that you never knew you had. And the Holy Spirit says to you today, son and daughter, if you stay engaged and you remain in my word, and you pray and you stay connected to the body and you stay connected to all those spaces during the hard times instead of running and fleeing when you should be enduring, if you keep your head in the game, I'm gonna give you, you're gonna go through another trial. He's not gonna give it to you. You're gonna go through another trial that's bigger and nastier and harder and it's gonna take more enduring, but you're gonna be able to look behind you and say, I didn't think I could do that. But when I was done with my training, I did it. And God sustained me. He helped me. He picked me up.